Jones Animal Hospital, and this is your weekly pause. Today's episode is going to be about lameness in your dog. Many, many times a dog being lame is going to prompt a visit to the veterinarian, and there's some things that you can do ahead of time that can really make the visit a lot smoother and help the veterinarian to be able to identify the specific problem much more easily. First is kind of have an idea, how long has this been going on? Has it been just happened yesterday or did it perhaps begin slowly several months or maybe even sometimes a year or more ago and it's gotten worse over time? Did something specific happen? You know, was the dog running around and suddenly fell down and then it became lame or hopefully not, but did it get hit by a car at some point and you thought it was fine, but then it began to be lame later on? Have an idea, has the problem been the same since you first noticed it or has it gradually been getting worse? Does the problem get better with exercise or worse with exercise? Is it worse first thing in the morning? Information like that can be very, very helpful. What else can be really helpful is if you can catch the pet doing the lameness and get a good video. Very often we can identify things with a pet in their natural environment, whether in the home or in the yard, where the owner has taken a good video of what's going on, and it helps us to be able to identify more easily what the lameness is. Sometimes once the pet is there in the veterinary hospital, there's a lot of adrenaline going on because of all the stress and the excitement of being in a strange place. And that can mask some more subtle lamenesses and make it harder for us to figure out exactly what leg's involved or what joint is involved. Whereas if we can see a good video of what the dog's doing at home, that can help us to, to home in on what the specific problem is a little more easily. So once you're there at the veterinary hospital and you've gotten the good history, maybe shown the veterinarian the video that you've taken, we'll go ahead and do a good physical examination. And very often, we'll check the other legs first, not the one that's involved, just to kind of get a feel for how well the pet responds just to normally being handled on legs that don't hurt. Sometimes if you grab the leg that hurts right off the bat and the animal just comes unglued, um, it's hard to say, did it come unglued because the leg hurts or is it going to come unglued no matter which leg you pick up? So very often I'll start, say for instance, the problem they come in for is a problem in the right rear leg. I'll work all the way around the dog, checking each front leg and the other back leg before I get to the leg that actually hurts, doing a full range of motion, evaluating the joints, evaluating the toenails, evaluating the muscle tone and muscle mass in each leg separately as I go. Very often, I'll try to pick up the opposite leg, say the problems in the right rear, I'll try to pick up the left rear just to see if the animal is willing to shift weight, letting me know if it's a weight-bearing lameness or a non-weight-bearing lameness. Now, when I finally do get around to the leg that's affected, I'll do kind of the same things with the other three legs. I will check the toenails, check range of motion in all the joints, look at the kneecap if it's a back leg, look at the, the knees, the hips, and the ankles, and evaluate for what's going on. Again, looking for muscle mass, muscle tone, range of motion, looking at those things. And sometimes just from a physical exam and the information gleaned from the owner, you can have a diagnosis. Other times, we need more specific testing, imaging usually, and x-rays. X-rays tell you a great deal about the bones. can sometimes tell you a good deal about muscle mass too, looking at comparing the muscle and the x-rays from one leg to the other. What x-rays cannot tell you though is about ligaments and tendons. Dogs can have torn ligaments and tendons just like people can. 
torn ACL is a common problem in a back leg in dogs. Sometimes the collateral ligaments will be damaged in the knees or in the ankles. Those things we can't see on x-rays, but we can get an idea about instability sometimes from the x-rays if the joint's kind of moved out of place. What else we can see on x-rays many times are degenerative changes, arthritic-type changes. Arthritic changes take place in the surfaces of the joints where erosions have happened through the joint cartilage into the bone beneath it. And we often will see roughness where you should see smooth surfaces. We'll see bone spurs where they shouldn't be. We can see degenerative changes like that to help us assess if the pet has arthritis or not. And many times the pet will have arthritis in multiple joints, although it may be a problem that's just presenting in one leg. We may discover that, oh, yeah, it's certainly worse in this leg, and that's where it's most apparent. But we're also having some degenerative changes in some of the other limbs as well, in other joints. So once we've determined what's going on, whether it's a a sprain or a strain, torn ligament or tendon, or degenerative type changes with arthritis, then we can make a plan for how can we fix this or how can we make your pet more comfortable. Some things can be fixed, you know, such as a torn ACL. That's something that with surgery can be fixed. Some especially small breed dogs will have problems with their kneecaps where the kneecaps pop in and out and don't stay right on the front of the leg. That's what's causing a lameness that can also be surgically repaired. Some things can't be fixed, but have to be managed. That usually applies to things like degenerative disease, arthritis, where you have degeneration in the knees, the hips, the elbows. Those are the most common joints to have arthritis in. Then we have to talk about management. And management becomes, in most cases, a lifetime thing. There are some basic things we do to help manage arthritis. First thing I always tell people is try to get your pet at a good, healthy body weight. A lean body weight puts less stress on the joints. Regular exercise. By maintaining muscle tone and muscle mass, that helps with the soft tissue support of the joints. Joint supplements, those specifically that contain glucosamine and chondroitin. There's a lot of other things they put in them too, but those are the two main things, glucosamine and chondroitin. Joint supplements like that help to maintain the joint surface, help to maintain the joint fluid, also have some anti-inflammatory activity. So those help the joints. Fourth thing I'll talk to people about are NSAIDs. NSAIDs are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, and those are used to decrease inflammation in the joints. Those are used either just as needed, the animal's having a bad day, so we give it one, or if you have a more advanced case, they're used as a maintenance drug where every single day the pet gets its anti-inflammatories. A lot of people have to take anti-inflammatories on a daily basis as well. If they are on a daily anti-inflammatory, they'll need to have basic blood done about every six months. When those things are no longer enough, we'll start them on some stronger pain medicine, things that work along the nerve pathways, medications like gabapentin, um, amantadine. Those things get where they're not enough anymore. We'll start them on some actual pain medicine, and sometimes we'll wind up using opioids even. So those are the things we can do to help to manage your pet's pain. Usually lay out the plan, work it, the goal always being to provide the best level of comfort that we can. And most of the time, we can provide a very good functioning level of comfort for your pet in their older years. By working with your veterinarian, working on the idea that it's management and not a cure, we can very often improve the quality of life for our older pets. Hope these things have been useful for you. I'm Dr. Allen. Tune in next week, same time, same place, for your next weekly pause.